before I get into this, I'm, uh, Psalms tells us that children are a blessing from the Lord. And I just got to say, biggest blessing in my life on Father's Day is being a father. I'm so, so, so blessed. My four awesome kids and my two ultra-awesome grandkids are the joy of my life. So two of them are here today. Thanks, buddy. Being a good kid. I know where your sister is, probably taking care of babies somewhere. But uh, anyway, I'm just, I'm blessed. I'm blessed today to be a father, and all you guys are too. Um, so in the last few weeks, it's been cool. It's been fun here. We, we've had a little, like I said, I never know what to call it. But, but the Spirit of God's just kind of been stirring our hearts afresh. And I'm happy for that. I like that. Do you guys like that? That's a good thing. Uh, so last week, I, I took a look. We're taking a look at Acts chapter 2. I'm just kind of, I just feel like context is good. What, you know, what's the deal? So I want to, for those that weren't here, I'm going to do a really, really fast review of last week. Go over what I went over and then pick up from there and just continue looking at Acts chapter 2. Talking about sort of the, the movement of the Spirit and what that means to us in the context of the local church today. So let's do that. Um, in, in way of review, we talked about, first of all, oh, oh, I went too fast. What happened? Remember, what happened was there was a sound like a violent wind from heaven. We, wasn't, we don't know if it was a, sa- a sound of a violent wind. It was something like that. We don't know what it was, but some sound happened. Some, they was visible. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. It wasn't necessarily tongues of fire, but it was something happened. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues. So that's what happened in the second chapter of Acts. What was the reaction? There were people in the neighborhood, people around who heard this, and were, uh, you know, intrigued by what was going on. Uh, they, a crowd came together in bewilderment. So they didn't understand it. They were bewildered. They were utterly amazed. They heard people speaking in a different language. They said, hey, they're Galileans. How do they know that? What's going on there? Uh, they were perplexed and amazed. Not only bewildered and amazed, but perplexed and amazed as well. And then uh, some of them had no grid. They didn't know what to think, so they just said, hey, they're drunk. That's it. They've been, it's nine in the morning, or it's, we don't know that yet, but it's, they're, they're just, they're drinking. That's what's going on. And uh, that's what happened. I talked about our response last week. What happens when the Spirit of God moves? Don't judge someone else's experience because you haven't had it. And I, I'll just reiterate that again. I mean, sometimes we see things, uh, and I'm gonna, I like to put all the cards on the table. We see things that are a little weird, you know what I mean, in church. And uh, it's, it's easy to enter into judgment, but I want to encourage us not to do that. You see something that looks weird, you go, it's okay to go, mm, that's weird. It's not okay to go, oh, that person is this or that and judge them. It's, it's okay to you know, say it's weird, but we don't want to judge each other because we haven't experienced something. You don't have to do anything. Don't try to make something happen. Don't feel like you've got to do anything. It's just let God worry about that, all right? We don't want to seek experience. Sometimes we get in that place of trying to, you know, somebody has experience with God. We want that experience. So let's not do that. Let's seek God. If God wants to give you an experience, he will. That's, he's in charge of that. And then last and probably most importantly, just relax. Just take it easy. We'll be, everything will be okay. That was our message last week. Today I want to talk about the outcome. What, what happens when the Spirit of God moves on people? And here's, here's the thing. Both biblically and historically, and then also from my personal life. And I shared a little bit with you guys last week about our lives, Donna and I, and, and, and some of the blessing and privilege we've had over the course of... The, oh my goodness, what is going on? What did you do to that child, honey? 
They're having fun, okay. Are you sure? No one's in pain. Call 911. Is the teacher okay? That scared me. Relax, okay, relax. When, they, when God's Spirit moves on a group of people, or an individual for that matter, either way, uh, it brings about change. That's the whole point. God doesn't fill us with His Spirit for the sake of filling us with His Spirit, okay? Uh, I want to make that re- really, really clear. God fills us with His Spirit to transform our lives more and more into the image of His Son and to move us further in His kingdom and in His purpose for us. That's the reason. And that's super, super important to understand that. Okay? Uh, That's exactly what Jesus said He would do. Remember, we looked back last week at chapter 1 of Acts before the Holy Spirit came. That's exactly what Jesus said He would do just before uh, He ascended into heaven. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. That's what Jesus said would happen. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will go be my witnesses. You'll do something. It's not just power for power's sake. It's not filling for filling's sake. It really is for the purpose of being my witnesses. Um, Witness is one of those words. There's a couple of them. We're going to touch on two of them. There's a few. Witness and evangelism are two that I'm thinking of that have developed a little bit of a bad reputation among Christians sometimes. The reason is that sometimes those things have been interpreted uh, in in really uh, weird kind of ways. Sometimes witnessing or or, or evangelism, people do weird stuff, um, awkward things, and you know, so you get evangelism. I don't want to do evangelism. That mean, you know, let's just, can you just today forget everything you know? No, not really. But just throw that out. Here, here, look at the point is this. God is good. He loves us, right? Anybody buy into that theory? God's done good things in our lives. We talk about witnessing or evangelism. Let's talk about sharing that with somebody else. You, you, if, if something great happens in your life, right? You go out to coffee, you go to lunch with your friends, you say, hey, something great happened. Let me tell you about it. It's just that. It's just that. It's just sharing. God's been good. He's touched me. I want to share that with you. That's all it is. Let's just, that, that's what we're talking about today. Um, I want to pray, and then we'll, we'll talk about that. So, Lord, thank you. I pray that this morning you would uh, stir our hearts with who we are, what you've called us to be about. This, this church here, Lord, what, what's, what's, what do you have for us? Why did your spirit move on us? Help us to see and grasp that and to really take it to heart and to to really be effective for you and in your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. All right, so there's three things I want to share with you today that happened when the Holy Spirit uh, ministered to these folks in Acts chapter 2. The first one is an outbreak of evangelism. Again, there's a word that we sometimes uh, misinterpret, but God moved in evangelism. Now, recap a little bit. I'm... This, might, this thing always bugs my ear. I don't know. I have very sensitive ears. Um, when we left off, you were, the last thing we read last week in Acts chapter 2 was people thought maybe these guys were drunk. They didn't know what was going on. They said they're drunk. Well, Peter responds. 
And he said, some, however, have made fun of them and they have had too much wine. And then Peter says, fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's nine in the morning. Now it's nine in the morning. I told I gave it away. Uh, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he, he either reads or quotes. I don't know. Maybe he had it memorized. He quotes the book of Joel, Old Testament book. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I always think that's appropriate because... I, my theory is it takes a little more energy to see a vision than dream a dream. And so when you get older, you just get to dream when you're younger. You guys get that. Um, Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Peter is equating what Joel said would happen in the last days with what just happened at Pentecost. And he's saying, no, they're not drunk. Really, what this is, is the movement of the Holy Spirit. And then he, he continues to preach, and I'm not going to read his whole sermon today. I'd encourage you guys to take a little survey, read the f- first few chapters of Acts on your own. But I do want to just give you the end of it, because that's the punchline. When he, when he finishes the sermon, this is what he says, with many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation, And then Luke adds in in his writing, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now let's talk about this for a minute. I told you, a small group of people, friends of Jesus, 25, 30 people are in a house. They're they're praying or doing something. I don't know what they were doing. Holy Spirit comes, fills them up. People hear it. They gather around. Peter preaches. 3,000 people come to the Lord. That's what happened. Now, I don't know, quite honestly, what would happen if 3,000 people came here in one day. We wouldn't know what to do with that. That would be a bit much in my mind. It would be fun, I guess. But here's the point. The point is this. The primary outcome of the movement of the Spirit is that people begin to share their faith and the hearts of others are drawn into relationship with Jesus. That's one of the primary things that happens when the Holy Spirit comes. As people of God, we like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's nice, it's good, it's fun. But it's never intended to be a bless-me club. And and one of the things, and again, I I try to be as honest with you guys as I can be. I've seen happen time to time as people get filled with the Spirit, and they like it so much they just want more and more and more. But they don't really want to share with anybody. They just want to have more. And it's okay to have more. You can have as much as you want. But you have to share. It's never intended to be kept. It's always intended to be shared. The love of God is something that we share with others. And so when God's Spirit moves upon us, one of the first and and foremost things that happen is we begin to share our faith, to share the love of Jesus with other people. And I want to encourage us as a a fellowship today. And, and, And this has been happening. I've carried little bits and pieces from some of you guys. That we do that. That we just share. Okay? Can we do that? Everybody nod. Pretend you're awake. So there was an outbreak of evangelism. And then the second thing that happened was there's uncommon fellowship and unity. I want to read to you the next little passage in Acts 2. This is one of the most um, 
uh, often taught, often read, popular passages in the New Testament, I think. I, it's used very often for, in a variety of ways. Um, here, here's what happened, again. This is just immediately following what we just read. They, and again that they, is the original group, but now those that have also joined them, so that the group is growing. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay. That's a lot. There's a lot there. Let me give three observations, and these are our three main points today. What happens when the Spirit of God fills a group of people? One is uh, miraculous signs and wonders take place, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Two, there is an advancement of the kingdom of God or an outbreak of evangelism, which we just mentioned. 3,000 people came the first day, but that wasn't the end. That was just the beginning. It says here more and more people came every day. Daily, people were adding their numbers. And the third thing that happened is that they really, really liked being together. They really liked being together. They, they, they shared meals with one another. They prayed together. They, they hung out together. They helped one another. They made sacrifices. They, somebody is in need over here, so somebody over here says, hey, I got something. I'll sell that and use that to help meet their need. They worshiped together. It was really, really fun for them to be together. And let me just say, the Holy Spirit will do that to you. I, uh, you know, in the, uh, total, total disclosure, total honesty, maybe nobody else has ever had this experience. Times in my life, usually not good times. I don't always feel like going to church. Sometimes I just, it just doesn't sound that fun. I don't always feel like going to home group. I kind of go, I'd rather watch a movie. But when the Spirit of God begins to move, and I sense that refreshing in my own heart, I can't wait. The last few weeks, I start thinking about coming here on Sunday on like Wednesday because I'm excited. And I'm not only excited because I think God might do something fun and special. I'm honestly really excited just to see you guys. And when the Holy Spirit begins to fill the hearts of God's people, something happens inside of you where it's really, really fun and really exciting and a blessing and a joy to, to be together. I want to be here. They're so quiet, but look at them. They're so cute. And I want to talk with you guys, and I want to hug people, and I want to hang out, and I want to laugh and just be together. I love that. It's, it's so fun. I want to worship with you. You know, we, we've been, our, our home group is a blast. We've been going down to Shane and Sarah's, Shane and Sarah's. And it's nice because it's just down the street. So, it, you know, uh, I could walk. I don't, but I could. Uh, I <laughs> but it's really fun. It's fun because every week we show up and there's, a, there's food. 
I love when people feed me. And there's food. And people come over. And guys, we come over and we hang out and we laugh and we talk. And we just have a great time. And then oh, we worship. We just worship. And then we pray for each other. We pray for you guys. We pray for the church. It's, it, it's not really like powerful in the sense that nothing. It's pretty simple. We eat. We talk. We worship. We pray. It's really, I mean, it's about as basic as it gets. But it's so cool. It's so fun. I just, can I, I just encourage you. Get in on the action. Don't miss out. Get together, hang out, start a group. Go to that group, start another group. If you don't have a group, just invite some people over for dinner and hang out. I mean, that whatever. Don't miss out on the blessing of being together in what God's doing, okay? Now, I, I want to I add to that. I want to give you a little sub point. And I want you to listen very, very carefully because this next part is a little theological input, and it's really, really important to hear. So pay attention and follow with me. Track with me for four minutes. Um, we've talked before about the kingdom of God. When we pray for God's kingdom, we say, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what we're praying for is the future reality that we will enjoy in eternity for a little bit of that to happen right here, right now. Right here, right now. That's what we're praying for, and, and that's what we're asking for. When I was young, a new Christian, I had a, the idea in my head. I don't know if I was taught it or just thought it up. I heard about worshiping God forever. You know what I mean? And I sort of had this impression in my mind that heaven was floating around on a cloud all day singing Kumbaya. And, and I said to somebody once, it sounds kind of boring. And it was like I said, I worship Satan. They said, well, can you say And I just was being honest. It sounds kind of boring to me. I want to tell you guys today, that's not what's going to happen. Okay? In the end, when Jesus returns and everything is complete... What's going to happen is life will be as God intended it to be. It will be perfect with none of the disorientation that came about because of the fall of man. Everything, we will live a full life in a new heaven and a new earth that will be exactly the way it was with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden we will li- it's not floating around on a cloud singing worship songs. It's the fullest, most amazing life with no bad stuff in it. The Bible gives us multiple indications. Revelation says, I saw, John saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. See, at the, in the end, we, I mean, call me crazy, we don't go up, God comes down. That's the way this thing works. Jesus came to earth. He's the only God that ever did that. We don't go up. He comes down. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne of God saying, look, God's dwelling place is among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. I can't read. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. 
And he was seated on the throne to say, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for their words are trustworthy and true. God will be with us. Jesus came to earth. He walked with people. When he comes back, he's coming and he's not going away. He's going to walk around and hang out. People say, I wish I could just talk to Jesus. You'll be able to. I can have dinner with him. He'll come to home group and hang out. He'll have dinner with you. He'll have coffee with you. It'll just be like Adam and Eve in the garden, walking in the cool of the day. It'll be 75 degrees every day, and it'll be a little light breeze. No, I don't know about that part, but it'll be nice out. It'll be really nice, and he'll wipe every tear from our eyes. No more death, no more grieving death. We went to a funeral service this week, and, you know, the pastor did such a good job, and he said, you know, this really isn't about our friend who passed. This is about you guys. We, we, we mourn the loss. We won't mourn the loss anymore. Nobody will go away. We won't miss them. No pain. And implied with that is no pain and no sickness. Okay, no cancer, no fibromyalgia, no Crohn's disease, no migraine headaches, none of it. It's all gone. The old order, this order, this is the old order. This passes away and the new has come. That's what it's going to be like. That's what it's going to be like with Jesus. Acts 3 says, Heaven must receive him, Jesus, until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. What's God going to restore? It's like that credit card commercial with Samuel L. Jackson. I love that. You get at points, and you can use them for everything. You know, not some things, not everything you can buy at a gas station, not this and that and the other thing. You can use it for everything. Let me hear you say it. You know, you guys would get kicked out of a black church. <laughs> that, that, was, that was incredibly weak. Let me hear you say it. It was better. God is going to restore everything. I'm going to tell you what everything means right now, okay? Redemption is not just about people. We are the crown of creation. God made man, he said, very good. But, but he, he liked the other stuff too. It's all good. God's plan is to redeem it all. He's going to redeem it all. Not just people, not just you and me. God's going to redeem everything. He's going to redeem the earth, everything on it. I want to, here's a verse you guys know. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish and have eternal life. When we read that, we think God's going to, didn't perish. Uh, he gave his son. For, he lo- so loved the world. We think that's all the people. It doesn't mean that. It, the people are included. But when he says the world, the word is cosmos. It's the same word we get cosmos. What it means is the earth, the dirt, the plants, the trees, the ground, the, the sky above it, the water, the animals, everything. It's all going to be new. Everything is going to be really new. That's why God sent Jesus. He's, he's going to make everything Everything new. Everything new. That's what God has in store for us at the end of time. Okay, I want to share one more, and you might not like this one. This is Isaiah. Hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, Isaiah had a vision of what it would be like in the end. And he says, The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion, the yearling together. Animals are going to be redeemed. All dogs really do get to go to heaven. Amen, dog lovers. 
cats too, I suppose. Um, I, I don't write the book. I just A little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all of my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I don't know if that means we'll all be vegetarians in heaven or not, but the lions will. And so the possibility exists. I don't know how that's going to work out. I love meat. I'm just saying. Okay, now here's the point. This is why I told you that. This is why I told you to pay attention. Here's the point. Here's the point. When that kind of fellowship happens, what we're experiencing is a little bit of what it'll be like in heaven. God's kingdom has come on earth as it one day will be in heaven. When we experience that sort of unity, it's a little bit of heaven. It's a taste of heaven. Look, I want to see God heal bodies. I want to see redemption. I, I want to see, I, I, I see addicts set free. I want to see the oppressed poor lifted up. And I don't want to see anybody go hungry. I don't want to see anybody thirsty. I don't want to see kids dying from disease. I, don't wanna, I, I want all of that, but I'll take a little bit of fellowship. I'll take a taste of heaven that looks like that. I'll, I, I'll, I, I'll thank God for that. Don't overlook it. Don't take it for granted. Don't take for granted the opportunity we have to be together. The author of Hebrews puts it this way. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. John Wimber put it this way. Wimber was a gracious guy. He didn't uh, get ruffled or angry or upset very often, but on occasion he felt it necessary. We were at probably about 40 million conferences, but one conference in particular I remember because people were kind of about the teaching. They didn't like whoever they'd invited in to teach. They were kind of, this guy's that and that, whatever thing. John got up and he said this. Hey, I've been hearing, you know, some of you guys aren't happy about the week and this and that and the other thing. And You know, I just, just want to say, if being together isn't enough, then shame on you. If just being together isn't enough, then shame on you. It's such a joy. It's such a blessing. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. Third thing that happened. Evangelism. Unity. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Chapter 3, the next chapter in the book. Peter and John go out. They, they pray for a guy and he can't walk and he walks he jumps up he jumps runs and dances uh, chapter four the holy spirit falls and people are filled again and i just side note parenthetical comment uh people that get filled in chapter four are some of the same people that got filled in chapter two so god can do that more than once yay uh just let you know that but chapter after chapter all through the whole book time after time after time god moves in power signs wonders miracles stuff happens it, it, it becomes signs and wonders and miracles become a common part a normal part of christian life let me make sure you understand what i'm saying right here signs and wonders and miracles aren't normal that's why they're called miracles okay if they were normal they wouldn't be miracles 
But miracles become a normal part of the Christian life. We can, as followers of Jesus, have an expectation in our hearts that miracles might happen anytime. We don't know how often or when or where, but we can expect and believe that they will happen because they're part of what God has for us. Yes, if you read the book of Acts, bad things still happen. There's difficulties, there's challenges, but intermixed with those challenges, there's also miracles and the movement of God's Spirit in power. It really does become a part, it is a part of what God wants to do, and it's, it's part of the outcome of His Spirit moving on His people. Now, it's fair for me to say today, and I'm going to tell you this because I want to, you know, like I said, cards on the table, not everyone agrees with that. And you will hear, if you stay around the church very long, people saying, no, that doesn't happen. That, that, that went away. God doesn't do miracles, He doesn't do healings, He doesn't you know, there's no spiritual gifts. That stuff all went away. That doesn't happen anymore. And I want you to know this because I want you to be prepared and understand if you hear that, you might go, oh, well, Glenn said they do. This guy says they don't. I don't understand. Um, so I, I have a, an approach to Scripture that, uh, you know, some people have a different approach. I don't tell you what to do or what to believe. I'll tell you what I believe, and I'll tell you what I believe the Bible says. And then I, I believe you guys are fairly intelligent, grown-up spiritual people, and you can discern and weigh that out and figure it out. So I believe that miracles, signs, and wonders, and healings are a part of what Jesus did for us and a part of his church today. Some people don't. Um, again, Acts 2.43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. This is a quote from a uh, well-known pastor, teacher, author, dozens of books, very well respected in the church today. Power evangelism seems to me to be an unbiblical concept. Faith comes from hearing, doesn't it? And hearing from the word of Christ. It is the gospel, not signs and wonders, that is the power of God into salvation. Do you not remember what Luke 16.31 says? If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through someone rises, what? From the dead. Despite the many signs and wonders that Jesus performed, Jesus didn't practice that kind of power evangelism. In fact, he repeatedly rebuked those who demanded signs. He rebuked the sign seekers. Uh, So I want to close today with just a little survey. And again, you guys can make a call on your own. John 20, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written. Why? so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So the author says Jesus didn't do signs and wonders to validate who he was, but John says he did. I don't know. Just saying. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So when Jesus sent his disciples out, that's exactly what he told them to do. Just a short time later, he sent 70 more people out. Uh, he told them, when you enter town, welcome to eat what is offered to you, which is always good cultural protocol. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. So he told them to do the same thing. Everyone was filled. We looked at that one. Acts 4, Lord, this is the, they're praying. This is the apostles praying. This is their prayer. They pray, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They, they're asking God to do that. 
The apostles performed signs and wonders among the people. This is Ephesians, Paul praying. And Paul says that we would know his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty streak that exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Paul prays that the Ephesian church, this isn't the original 12, this is more new people, would know that same power of God. The author of Hebrews says, How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So again, the author says that God doesn't use signs, wonders, miracles, or healings to validate his message, but the author of Hebrews says he does. He disagrees. You make a decision. That's, oh, I just skipped the whole page. Here's the deal. Sorry, I'm getting worked up today. It's Father's Day. Uh, you know, Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God falls on his people. And uh, again, it was a small group. It was probably less people that are in this room today. Context. And three things happened in the aftermath of that. There was an outbreak of evangelism uncommon fellowship and unity. I would say miraculous fellowship and unity. And miracles and signs and wonders. When God fills his people, that's what happens. Oh, look, it's time. Why don't you guys stand up? Cindy? I think it would be appropriate today. We've got a couple minutes. I just want to pray that um, anyone that needs a little touch of God's Spirit today would get one. So here's what we'll do. If our ministry team could come up front, and Cindy will lead us in a little bit of worship, and as we worship, we'll, I'll pray, and then I'll just invite those of you that would like to come up. And if you just need anything from God today, I don't care what it is, we'll pray for you.